great sacrifice on the cross so that we can have forgiveness of our sins, Father. Something that we could never do to ourselves. We could never pay the price for our sins because all of us, Father, deserve your condemnation, deserve your judgment. But yet, you are rich in mercy and you're rich in grace and love for your people, for your children. And so, Father, tonight, as we continue to hear from your word, speak to us, O Lord, through your word, as we learn about Jesus as the Lamb of God, as, as John the ba Baptist was telling the Jews, Behold, look and see, this is the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. Father, may we truly believe in Jesus as the only Lamb of God who can rescue us from the judgment of sin, from your own judgment, Father, because only God can rescue us from God. So, Father, we thank you for what Jesus Christ has done. And, Father, we ask and pray that you bless our evening tonight. Speak again to the hearts of the students. The Father, for those of the students here, Father, who are still doubting, should I trust in Jesus? May your word convict them, Father, that they can completely trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And may they surrender and give their life to Him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you need a Bible, uh, AJ will hand one out to you. Just raise your hand. And if you need a Bible, raise your hand. AJ will pass it out. Got one right here. Good. And James is on the way too. Wow. This is great. All right. Welcome back to Rise Wednesday Nights. Did you guys have fun so far? Yeah. Did you guys have fun so far? Yeah. Come on. Splash zone. Sorry. Uh, welcome back. This is what we do if you're still getting to know us. It's good to have new visitors. If you're a new visitor, will you raise your hand again? Just want to see you. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you, Jesse. Welcome. Uh, my name is Terrell. I'm the junior high pastor here. This is our junior high ministry. We're part of a church called Faith Bible Church. And this is what we do every Wednesday. We play a game, really fun, pretty uh, ridiculous sometimes. Uh, there's winners and losers. And then we sing songs of worship to our King, to Jesus. And then we open the Word of God together. We open the Bible together and we study it. And that's really the most important thing that we do on Wednesday nights and every time we meet, right? So it's fun. Welcome to Rise. We're so happy that you are here. Last week, we started a new series in the gospel according to John. And I explained to you that this is my favorite gospel out of the four. And it's so unique out of the other three. And it's uh, so good. And, and we see the purpose of John in John 20, verse 31. And we're going to continue that tonight uh, in our passage today, verses 19 through 37, still in chapter 1. And we're just going to touch every verse of John and try to explain it and understand it. And as we do, we'll understand a lot more about who Jesus is and we'll understand a lot more about who we are before this great King and Messiah. And as we'll see tonight, the Lamb of God. 
It's really good. But before we read, our, read and study our passage for tonight, I want to tell you about a really famous person. And I think you know this person. This guy was born in Philadelphia in 1944. 1944, that's really old. Uh, he served in the Vietnam War. He worked as a car salesman and he eventually became a model. Who do you think it is? Okay, never mind. Uh, but he is one of the most famous people. He, he's known, what, what he's known for has made him millions and millions of dollars. And in my opinion, his job is really, really easy because every time he works, all he really has to do is say five words. Let's get ready to rumble. rumble. Every time he's a boxing announcer, every time he steps in the ring, people are waiting for this guy to say those five words. Let's get ready to rumble. That's his job. That's what he gets paid the big bucks to do. And I read some background story. He heard Muhammad Ali in his interview uh, just talking about how he's going to beat up the other guy. And he's ready to rumble. And he basically uh, copied Muhammad Ali. That's a fun fact. Uh, and he stole that from him. But anyways, this guy is known for those five words, for announcing those five words before every boxing match. Now, let me ask you, what is this guy's, and staff, don't answer, what is this guy's name? Does anybody know his name? His name is not John. Anybody know his name? Come on. You all know, let's get ready to rumble. You all know who I'm talking about. What's his name? Nobody knows. That's just so sad to be so famous and you're, you're, you don't, nobody even knows your name. His name, are you ready? Is Michael Buffer. Michael Buffer, this very famous boxing announcer. That's what he's known for. This is his job. That's all he does. And nobody knows or cares about what his name is. They just want to hear him say, let's get ready to rumble. That's all they care about. Well, tonight we are going to learn about another really famous announcer. His name is John the Baptist. But John is not concerned with fame like maybe Michael Buffer is, right? Maybe he's a little disappointed that none of you actually know his name, even though he's super famous. John is not concerned with fame. All he is concerned about is who he is announcing, who he is proclaiming. All he wants you to know is Jesus, the Lamb of God. So... Let's read our passage for tonight. We're in the book of John, and we're in John chapter 1, verses 19 through 37. We read verses 1 through 18 last week. Today, we're in John chapter 1, verse 19 through 37. It says this, This is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. They asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. 
Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? So that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him and said to him, Why then are you baptizing if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophets? And John answered them, saying, I baptize in water, but among you stands one whom you do not know. It is he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. Verse 29. The next day, he saw Jesus coming to him. And he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I said, After me comes a man who has a higher rank than I. For he existed before me, I did not recognize him, but so that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. And John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. Again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. This is the very living, breathing, active Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This is the Word of God. So let's pray as we begin to study it. Father, we are so thankful for yet again another opportunity to study your Word. We know that your Word is perfect. And Lord, we need your help now to focus our minds, to focus our hearts, to understand your word. As we'll see tonight, you sent your son to be the lamb of God, to take away and cleanse us from our sins. Lord, I pray that we would realize and understand the weight of that truth and our desperate need for your son. We need you now. As we study your word, we need you now forever. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so that's our passage for tonight. John chapter 1, 19 through 37. Uh, And the very first thing we need to remember is, again, the purpose of this book. And I put it on your outline, John 20, verse 31. And we are going to read it together out loud. Are you ready? It's on your outline. Look at your outline, John 20, verse 31, and read it out loud with me, okay? Here we go. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. One more time. 
Three, two, one. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. The Apostle John wants you to know and to believe that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And if you believe in Jesus, you will have eternal life. He is the only way to eternal life. There is no other way to eternal life to heaven besides through Jesus. He is the way. So that's a purpose. Uh, and, and it continues in our passage today as John the Apostle introduces John the Baptist, two different Johns, right? John the Apostle is writing this book and John the Baptist is the one who he introduces. And we saw that in our last passage last week, right? We introduced John the Baptist and uh, we heard of him and we learned a lot about who Jesus was. Can anybody tell me uh, the first point we learned last week about who Jesus was? The most important point right here, Robert. Jesus is God, right? We saw that Jesus is the word. He was in the beginning with God and he was God. The word being logos, meaning the power and purpose behind all of humans existence is Jesus Christ. He is God. And that's so important for our faith. If you're a Christian, this is what you believe, right? That Jesus is God. And you want to tell that to everybody. It's the most important thing. Jesus is God. Who can tell me the second thing we learned last week about Jesus? Right here, Cohen. Jesus is creator, right? Everything you see, look around, everything you see around us was created by Jesus Christ. We see in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we know that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus created everything. And that's pretty amazing. He created you. He created me. And he knows. That means that he knows all about who you are. He is your creator, right? It's pretty cool. What was the third thing we learned about Jesus? Right here, Kelsey. Jesus is man, right? What does that mean? It said that Jesus took on flesh. That means that he became a man, the God of the universe, the God who has existed for eternity, who has no beginning and no end. The king became a man. Why would he do this? He did this because he wanted to save lost sinners like you and I, because eventually he would be hung on the cross for our sins. He would die for our sins. And that's good news. And now we get more in depth into who John the Baptist is. Some background of John the Baptist. He lived in a desert. Uh, we live in a desert, but he lived in a very hot desert. And uh, before he came and began his ministry, he lived away from society. He was alone by himself. And I imagine him, you know, very similar. If you guys know who Luke Shada is, I think John the Baptist is just like Luke Shada, right? I imagine him. Luke Shada doesn't have a man bun, but with a man bun, he's very hairy. Maybe he's stinky. He's out in the desert by himself. He's sleeping on the floor. You know, he's just the roughest guy around and he's super cool. Um, 
I remember Luke Shada just sleeps on the floor everywhere he goes. And it's really weird. Anybody else sleep on the floor here? Okay. That's weird. Uh, I remember one time we went to the Grand Canyon. And if you've ever been there and you've hiked down the bottom and you've gone back up, it is the hardest thing ever. Like, I think that's the hardest thing I've ever done. And you see Luke Shada going up and down, up and down. And Nick, Nick, everybody knows Nick, right? Nick's, Nick's poor dad. Nick's poor dad was with us, and uh, he was about to die because uh, it, it, it was so hard. And he can't get up this mountain and so, or this canyon. And so Luke goes and gets his backpack and runs all the way up the Grand Canyon, passes us by, and then comes back down for his dad. And he just saves the whole trip. So he's a really cool guy. John the Baptist is just like Luke Shada. He's strong. He's a really cool guy. He lives in the desert. And... Uh, he, uh, he ate and he dressed like he was poor. He, he, he didn't care about those things. And, and he was a really great preacher. He was a really great preacher. In fact, Matthew chapter 3 verse 5 tells us that large crowds from Jerusalem and all of Judea and all the district around the Jordan flocked to hear John the Baptist preach. And his message was always the same. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was a great preacher. Thousands, thousands, thousands of people would come to see John the Baptist preach. And just like his name indicates, he baptized his disciples in water. John is an amazing dude. An amazing man of God. And we learn a lot from him. But what's most amazing is not who he is, but who John the Baptist continues to proclaim. He is the announcer and he dedicates his life to announcing that the Messiah has arrived. So in John 19, one, John chapter one, verse 19 through 37, we will be called to take three actions as John the Baptist announces the Lamb of God. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yes. All right. Number one, prepare for Jesus. Prepare for Jesus. And we got to reread verses 19 through 28 here. Verse 19, this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he said, no. Then they said to him, who are you? So that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him and said to him, why then are you baptizing? If you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet, and John answered them, saying, I baptize in water, but among you stands one whom you do not know. It is he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. You got to know, first of all, that it's been a long time since people have even heard from God. It's been about 400 years of silence, of not hearing from God. 
And John the Baptist is this guy. He's the last Old Testament prophet. He's the first New Testament preacher. And everybody is flocking around to hear this great preacher after 400 years of silence. And so the people want to know, who are you? And so priests and Levites gather and flock to John the Baptist and are asking him, who are you, dude? But John continues to deny their claims. Everyone is trying to figure out who this guy is. And they keep asking him and expecting John to be the Messiah that they are awaiting for. But John says, no, I am not the Christ. Now, what does Christ mean? Can anybody tell me what does Christ mean? Is Christ just uh, Jesus's last name? Right here, Bryson. The messenger, the Messiah. Christ means the Messiah. They're asking him, are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? And John says, I am not the Christ. Well then, are you Elijah? Who's Elijah? Go with me to Malachi chapter 4. Okay, we went there last time and we saw uh, how John the Baptist and uh, Jesus were foreshadowed in Malachi chapter 3. But in in Malachi chapter 4, we see the last paragraph of the last Old Testament, or the last book in the Old Testament, the last prophecy of the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 4. And we see verse 5. It says, Behold, I am going to send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. This guy, Elijah, is going to come. And so the people are wondering, if you're not the Christ, are you Elijah, the one that was promised would come? And how does John respond? He says, no, I am not Elijah. Okay, this is getting annoying. Who is this guy? They said, okay, are you the prophet? And Moses promised the coming of this great prophet. Are you the prophet that is coming? But John again says no. So finally, they're getting fed up with him and they ask a final time. Dude, just tell us who you, who you are. Who are you? Give us something. We need an answer. What do you say about yourself? And so John the Baptist finally responds by quoting Isaiah 40 verse 3. What does he say? Look at verse 23. He says, he said, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah, the prophet said, John the Baptist responds by saying, I am just a voice. I am just the announcer. I am just the guy who is making the path straight for the true Messiah. And guess what? He's coming. No, he's not coming. He is already here. The Messiah is here. 
Stop worrying about who I am. Don't you get it? It's not about me. It's about the real Messiah who has already come. Complete humility by John the Baptist. A really humble guy, which we see verse, uh, l- later in verses 26 through 27. Look at it. Verse 26, John answered them saying, I baptize in water, but among you stands one whom you do not know. It is he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. Now, why would you untie somebody's sandal? This was for slaves. They would untie the sandals so they can wash their feet, a job only a slave would do. And John the Baptist is saying, I am not even a slave. I am not even worthy enough to be a slave. I am not even worthy enough to untie his sandals and wash his feet. Totally unworthy. Complete humility from John. John is, again, the most powerful, influential, popular preacher at this time. You would think that he would have a little more pride than that, right? This is a popular guy. And he says that he is not even unworthy to untie the sandals of the one whom he is preparing a way for. This is how we prepare for Jesus. Look up. Complete and total humility. Maybe the reason why you have a distorted view of God, of who God is, is because your view of yourself is too high. Do you think too much of yourself? Or do you need a dose of humility? We want to be like John the Baptist here. Complete and total humility because he understands who God is. That he is the king of the universe. What we learned, he is God. He is the creator He knows that this is the Messiah. And so he responds in complete humility. How do we prepare for Jesus? With complete humility. Romans 3.23, there is none righteous, not even one. All fall short of his glory. John 3 verse 30, he must increase. I must decrease. Next, number two, recognize Jesus. Recognize Jesus. And we're going to reread verses 29 through 34 for this. Verse 29, the next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I said, After me comes a man who has a higher rank than I. More humility from John. For he existed before me. I did not recognize him, but so that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. And John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. You remember uh, the story about me 
pretending that I was a king when I was a little kid, right? And so I'm standing in the middle of this mirror to refresh your memory with this very sharp stick. And um, I was not like John the Baptist. I was not humble. I was very prideful. And so I'm looking at myself, checking myself out. And I think I am the coolest dude on earth. I'm the king, right? So I'm standing in this large mirror and I lift up my staff and I stick it in the ground because I'm a king. And I look down and I stabbed my toe. And I'm like, oh no. So I lift up the, the stick and it comes gushing blood all over the place. Blood is all over the carpet and it's completely staining the floor, the carpet. And I don't think that ever came out of the carpet because I waited a long time to tell my parents, right? They found me in the bathroom, massive stains all over the floor. Remember how like when I get excited for things uh, when I was a kid, not now anymore, but like when I would go to Disneyland and stuff, you remember what what I would do? I would often throw up in the car because I was so excited and my stomach was just churning because I was just so excited to see Mickey Mouse. Uh, And I would throw up in the car. Those stains were really hard to take out, right? There are just some stains that are super hard to take out. And and, uh, even though these cleaners and products claim to take out every stain, there is not some perfect stain remover that takes out every single stain, right? How many of you guys have made some really bad stains? All right. Maybe some poop stains. Okay. Um, There's really bad stains, right? And we need stain removers, but they're just, they just don't exist the way that we want them to. Everyone claims to have the best stain remover, but no stain remover is perfect. No stain remover can take away every stain. But John the Baptist is proclaiming that there is a guy who can take away even and clean even the most permanent stains. And that stain is sin. Did you know this? That we are all stained with sin from the moment we were born. We were stained with sin and that sin is leading us to hell. Because we are sinners, we deserve hell. We have a very bad stain that we need cleaning. And John proclaims that Jesus is that stain remover. The only one who can take away that stain. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Now, what does this mean? Do you know what the Lamb of God means? You know how in the Old Testament, we would see how everybody, especially during the Passover, they would slaughter lambs and slaughter animals in order to cleanse them from their sins and to please Yahweh and to worship Yahweh. They would slaughter these lambs to cleanse and remove their sins. That was their sin remover, their stain remover. And John is proclaiming, that Jesus is the ultimate sacrificial lamb. And Isaiah 53 said that this would come. One day a lamb would be slaughtered and they would take away our sins. 
Jesus is that lamb. He is the lamb of God who was slaughtered in order to cleanse us from our sins. This is important for us, right? You and I are sinners. Again, Romans 3.23, we are all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, not even one. Romans 6.23, for the wages of our sin is death. And so we have a real dilemma on our hands. But the same truth that John the Baptist is proclaiming or was proclaiming is still true today. That Jesus, the Messiah, has come. And we learned last week that he became man. He took on flesh so that he could pay for our sins. He lived the perfect life. He was the perfect man. He had no sin himself. He walked perfectly. But yet, he was mocked, tortured, and eventually he was hung on the cross and left to die for your sins. He did die for your sins. And he rose again three days later, defeating death forever, bringing you new life, proving that he was God so that your sins could be washed away, could be cleansed. This is the Lamb of God who takes away your sins. And all you must do to be cleansed is repent, which means you're turning away from your sin and you're turning towards Jesus Christ and you're surrendering your life to him. You're giving up your sin. You're not looking back at it, but you're giving it up and you're giving your life to Jesus, the Lamb of God who died for your sins. Repenting and you're putting your faith in him, surrendering all that you are for all that he is. That is how you get your permanent stain removed. That is how you are cleansed by repenting and putting your faith in Jesus Christ. This is the same truth that John the Baptist was proclaiming, and it's still true today. It's the most important truth. John wants you to recognize Jesus. You need to recognize Jesus. He is the Lamb of God. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. Recognize Jesus. Lastly, Number three, follow Jesus. Follow Jesus, verses 35 to 37. Let's read it again. Again, the next day, this is day three now. John was standing this time. He's with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus and he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Again, every time he sees Jesus, all he can do, he can't even help himself but proclaim, this is the Lamb of God who is coming. Verse 37, the two disciples heard him speak. They heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. There is no other response to this amazing truth but to give up your life 
to drop everything and follow Jesus. What truths or, or what things, students, are you holding on to that you don't want to give up in order to follow Jesus? Because in order to follow him, you must give up and be willing to give up everything. If your parents were not Christians, if they didn't take you to church every Sunday, if they walked away from the faith, if they even told you that Jesus is not God, that he's not real, don't believe in him, would you still follow Jesus? You need to ask yourself that. What sins am I holding on to that is keeping me from truly following Jesus? This is the Lamb of God, the one who can take away our sins. We read it, we sang it in our song, right? With your blood, you paid the price for every sin our Savior died. The Lord of life can't be contained. Our God has risen from the grave. Oh, our God has risen from the grave. And he did this because he loves you. He cares for you. He wants you to be welcomed into his kingdom. And you have the opportunity tonight to repent from your sins and to truly follow Jesus. And I'm going to ask you, as you're packing up, will you follow him? Or will you delay another day? Will you make up another excuse? Will you still not care enough and risk sending your soul to an eternity of death and destruction and suffering. That's what's on the line, students. Follow Jesus. Give your life to him. Surrender your life to him. This is nothing new. But just because it's nothing new and still you're packing up because you think this is boring. This, this is nothing new. It's not boring. Okay. This is the most important truth of your lives. And you must give your life for this truth. All right, let's pray. Father, we're so thankful uh, that your son was sent to suffer and die on the cross. He was the Lamb of God, the only one who could take away our sins. So Lord, we need to prepare ourselves for him by humbling ourselves, by lowering our view of ourselves and lifting up our view of you, that you are God, that you are creator and that you have paid the ultimate sacrifice because you loved us so much. You are creator. You created everything. And so you know us, you know all of our sins, you know all of our pain, and you can help us through that. Thank you, Lord, that you are the Lamb of God who can take away our sins. And I pray that we would focus tonight, even as we go into small groups, and figure out ways that we can better glorify you through our lives, with everything we do. We love you. We thank you. We praise you now. In Jesus' name, amen.